I think I had some ideas for our video too, or our animation or whatever it's going to be. I kind of wrote out just kind of like some ideas for a screenplay. And I was thinking, and just tell me what you think about this. Uh... My name's Anastasia. I'm 22. The other voice you just heard, that was Adamu. Adamu and I were pen pals of nearly a year. And here, he's about to read an excerpt of his first ever letter to me, dated January 2020. Then this is the part that made me laugh. Okay, so there's a star and it says some other similarities we share. Quick look. <laughs> the quick look is like a little parenthesis. I, it's, just, it's like the essence. You have to read it. You're, you're going to be there. You're going to be there. <laughs> okay, the first one is I'm also an only child. Wow. My name starts with an A, <laughs> like yours. I also, as a child, fake broadcast my own news program. I use uh, grandma's tape recorder to record or to make radio shows. In my first letter to him, I told Adamu about how I'd always been a storyteller. I have these early memories of finding a cardboard box in my grandparents' garage and dragging it into their living room floor. I'd plop it there, cut out the middle, kind of pop, pop open the sides so it'd become a cardboard TV where my head was a tiny reporter. I'd just tell these stories I came up with. When you're an only child, you have to figure out ways to entertain yourself. And then the last one, I'm not Greek, except when I'm eating Greek food, which is a reference to... To some, all the pastries I listed in the right. first letter, yeah. But my father was Ethiopian, and they are also Coptic Christians. I remember going to the Greek Orthodox Church in Oakland when I was a kid. And then I said, I'm sure we'll find other commonalities as we move forward. I'm convinced that you're pretty cool already. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. Yep. But among all these similarities, Adamu and I shared one big difference. While I addressed my letters for my freshman dorm at Stanford, his address included a jumble of six letters and numbers an ID by his name. He was sending his from San Quentin State Prison. And recorded. To accept this call, say or dial 5 now. Thank you for using Global Telelink. Hello. When Adamu and I started writing these letters, it was just a couple months before the COVID-19 pandemic. No. Oh, I don't know. I just, I, like, I wasn't expecting to get through to you today. I don't know why. Like, I just decided to call the number. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I had, there's a lot that I wanted to tell you, but I don't have your letter right here. Um, so, I don't know. I'm a little caught up. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Dude, no, no worries at all. Is, like, What's that? I, I said no worries at all. Like, I, I didn't expect to hear from you either because I was like, oh, no, I messed up. I haven't, like, written him that I'm in Dallas now because the past two weeks have just been chaotic. <laughs> Are you handling everything okay? Yeah, I've been Are handling it fine. Okay? Are you healthy? Yeah, I'm healthy. Everyone in my family is healthy. College was just shut down, so I had to go back to Texas. How have you been doing? How have you been feeling? All right. I mean... Stuff's changing, like, every day, and they, they move me to, like, a different part of the prison. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm a little worried about, kind of, if, if there's an outbreak here. Shortly after this phone call, San Quentin would face a surge of cases within weeks. 
New tonight, the COVID-19 outbreak at San Quentin claiming the lives of two more inmates. Out of San Quentin tonight, a state appeals court has ordered the prison to immediately cut its... For several months, San Quentin was a site of one of the largest COVID outbreaks in the nation. By September 2020, they'd had over 2,000 cases and over 20 deaths. But before all that, let's go back to how I found Adamu in the first place. It began the night in October of my freshman year, when I walked into a circle of couches at the Women's Community Center. I had just read this email that grabbed my attention. The subject, in all caps, Prison Renaissance Project, calling all to collaborate with incarcerated artists. I remember walking into the room and feeling a bit nervous. It was all upperclassmen, I was a freshman, but there was one who made me feel immediately welcome. My name's Michelle, I use she, her pronouns. I am currently like a grad student at UCLA. I study clinical psychology, but many years back, I got to be a part of starting up this really beautiful project called the Prison Renaissance Zine. And yeah, it's been a really beautiful part of the way I navigate the world and understand what my role in it is. This is Michelle Chang, that upperclassman. She helped form Stanford's chapter of the national nonprofit Prison Renaissance. She did this alongside another student, Netta Wang, and a graffiti artist and poet incarcerated at San Quentin, Mesro Coles L. Prison Renaissance is a nonprofit formed by a group of incarcerated artists and activists. Its mission is to connect incarcerated people to the communities who need them. Their goals are to use art and community to create a culture of transformation to end cycles of incarceration and to create more proximity between the general public and incarcerated people. They ask the question, what do communities lack when incarcerated voices are absent from them? The way Stanford's chapter answers this question is through a zine collaboration. There is a long legacy of political prisoners who've written and distributed zines and been able to kind of use the zine as this medium to circumvent certain barriers of disseminating information that might come with the many layers of surveillance or financial barriers, um, et cetera, that you encounter within carceral systems. I guess one question I have is like, what does radical collaboration mean or mean to you? Because I feel like that's like a term that I've read related to <laughs> prison renaissance that I don't really know too much about. I think how we started thinking about this idea of radical collaboration was like, really creating relationships in unlikely contexts, being able to kind of pair together Stanford students with incarcerated folks on the inside, many of whom have very different sets of lived experiences, does feel like a radical thing where we're really trying to kind of interrogate really paternalistic forms of relating to each other in these contexts. I've learned all this since joining Prison Renaissance, but honestly, when I walked into that first meeting, I just thought it'd be cool to make art with people I normally wouldn't be able to. I shared that I was interested in filmmaking, got paired with a filmmaker, and so the letters began. February 20th, 2020. You asked if I like space. I love space. I used to throw a party in San Francisco called Space is the Place. I'll send you a copy of the flyer, Good Times. I think space is beautiful and vast and reminds us how tiny we are. We are stardust, but space also allows me to imagine other worlds with other beings who love each other and love themselves, 
where every speck of life is precious and deserving of patience. I want to go there. Ah, space is the place. I would love to see that poster. The fact that we're stardust, so infinitesimal, is so comforting. I want to go to that place too, where everyone is patient with one another. I'm in a class right now called Physics 16, the origin and development of the cosmos. I'm doing my final project on the possible fates of the universe, the big freeze, rip, crunch, bounce. Isn't it wild that one day all the blue stars will have supernova and eventually the red stars will die too? I guess that means the most vibrant our universe will ever be is right now and it's expanding every second. I feel like my mind is too small to wrap around ideas like that. We got to know each other through those letters. Especially after the world went into lockdown, I found myself looking forward to them. Even though we never met, I had the sense that I was reconnecting with an old friend, someone who understood me during a time when I was cut off from the world. I told him about the places I wished I could visit, about the people I missed. I sent him pictures of the blue rooftops of Santorini, places I've never been, even though my family is from there. In one letter, he told me about his own memories of Santorini from 20 years before. It was a place that meant something to him, even though he'd also never been. Safety is so much tied to memories, what is familiar, predictable, and not associated with past life trauma. There's something very familiar and pleasing about your handwriting and what you write that reminds me of home and people I haven't seen or talked to in many years. There's a sadness in that, but also an ease. The way you describe memories and the safety and comfort they bring us is so raw and really resonates with me. I think about memories a lot. So much sometimes I'm afraid of not being present. Memories can really affect my emotions, bringing me bouts of sadness too, because I struggle with wrapping my brain around the fact that the same people won't always be in my life forever. It's an odd concept that I'm sure every adult has to come to terms with, but sometimes I forget it's true. I'm so happy my handwriting can remind you of home and memories of people. I wrote my college application essay about how if my voice could be transcribed, it'd be cursive. I love how you write in all caps. All caps, all caps, all caps, scribbled lightning bolt. Thank you for deciding to write me and being a part of my life story. Let's do something amazing together. Have you thought about a project? I was thinking that we could write together, but also since we both do videography, we could do a film component, maybe a multimedia conversation. Let me know your thoughts. I hope you're receiving my mail. Can't wait to hear more from you. Take good care, Anastasia. Hugs, Adamu. Beginning with our first call in March of 2020, we went on to record every single phone conversation with the intent to make a film out of them. But as the pandemic raged on, San Quentin's media center stayed closed. What emerged were hours of tape in the form of 34 phone calls. Hi, (laughs) happy birthday. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. Through those phone calls and letters, Adamu became one of my closest friends. We had a standing phone date, an hour every week or until we got cut off. We talked about everything, or almost everything. 
The thing we didn't talk about was why he was there. Not because he wouldn't have told me, but because I made a conscious decision not to ask him. Oftentimes that question or that sense of curiosity reveals a lot more to ourselves about our own humanity than it does about us demanding an explanation for someone else's humanity. This is Michelle again from Prison Renaissance, the place that put me in touch with Adamu in the first place. One thing that we instructed folks on was to not search someone up on the internet without their permission so that they would still sort of have that agency in in the ways that they wanted to share their lives and invite people into that process rather than having folks on the outside sort of, yeah, project themselves onto being able to demand and access information about their collaborators without their consent. Like, I think the question of who is this serving in, in deciding, like, what to bring up with, you know, a, a collaborator, a friend, a loved one, a question around like, you know, what crime did you do? What harm did you cause? Oftentimes that's serving folks on the outside, their own sense of like voyeuristic curious curiosity about someone and not necessarily actually serving the goals of the project. Our conversations were one thing that really grounded me during this wild time. And as we got deeper into the pandemic, I realized that they may have served the same role for him too. I remember like being on the phone and, you know, just closing my eyes and talking to you or talking to like other folks that um, I cared about. You know, there's like, you can escape for a little bit, right? It's like, you're not there. You're just like in this kind of whatever liminal space where you're just like in between worlds. I think they had, there were milk crates that were on the ground. So you would just be like very low to the ground. Um, And the phones were just pay phones like on the wall. They weren't inside of a phone booth, but they were just like very low. Yeah, so, like, sometimes you would be, like, sitting, like, right next to someone and, like, you know, sometimes people are, like, being loud or whatever. Um, So it's not, like, the most ideal place or space. A couple of quick things before I got to get off the phone. So I had an idea, too, for, like, the name. Oh, yay, yay. Uh, I remember, like, something that I, like, really remembered from your first letter was, like, when you, or it wasn't even your first, I think it was, like, your second or third letter, but when you were talking about a pre-city, a pre-city? Yeah, a pre-city, yeah. A pre-city, right. And, like, I think, like, what it translates to in Latin is, like, the warmth of the sun in winter. I think about, like, kind of our interaction and, like, as kind of you know, something warm during this, like, really kind of, like, dark and cold time. I was, like, really loud in the dorm and, like, just, like, straining and, like, having my hand over my other ear and just, like, listening to, like, what you're saying. And I think for me it wasn't, like, so much that I wanted to kind of, like, share about what was going on inside, like, on a day-to-day basis, but just more just being able to like escape for a little bit and kind of like share connection was like a way to kind of 
it was therapeutic. I feel like that time, like once a week, whatever hour that we spoke to talk about our lives was just cool because it's like, I don't know how to describe it. Like disconnected, but in a good way. Not like, oh, he's removed. So like, I get to like talk bad about the people in my life. Not like that kind of way, but just like, it was cool that like, you kind of get to like the essence of what like a person's going through or whatever, without all the like extra fluff. When I don't know where you are or what's happened, like I, like I don't know what text, I don't know what Dallas looks like. I don't know what like your, like your world or your family looks like. Like you have to describe those things to me and like you have to like describe it in, in, an, in an amount of detail that like allows me to like be able to see it in my mind, right? And a lot of times that means that you're like describing like how you feel and certain contexts that like maybe you wouldn't feel like you would need to like tell a person like in a normal situation or um, or just like wouldn't come up. Do you feel I like the that. person has to want to, to for it to happen? Like, like you think it, that the breakthrough happened because you wanted it I to think, happen? I think that everybody, I think that everybody wants it to happen, right? I think everybody wants to be more free, and I think, yeah. I mean, I just, I just think that like, I don't know anybody in here that's like a bad person, you know. Like, I know that people have been through like varying degrees of bad things in their lives and you know maybe they didn't they never got justice for what the things that happened to them and so you know i don't know i just think that like people can get stuck in kind of the things that have happened to them or whatever right but yeah i mean i I genuinely i genuinely think that like people are trying to figure out what's going on with them and what you know like who they are you you you're living right now like these the moments that we have in here are important some of them may be like the most memorable moments in your life and so you need to like look at them like that right like when we graduate from whatever or we do right like when we produce a video or something like that like that needs to be honored that needs to be like celebrated like we're in our lives like we're living yeah. right now and i think i just I feel like that's really important. But I think I think that's anywhere. It's not just in prison. Like I think people can be in those kind of prisons within their own lives, right? And now I mean I just I think like there to me there's a lot of people that come from the outside and they come in here and they like interact with us and they and they tell us the same things that like like their lives are like devoid of like human connection and like whatever, right? And so yeah, I mean prison prison is just a metaphor, right? It's but I still want to get out. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I still would like to be out. Um, yeah. What does it mean to form a friendship across space? What does it mean to form a friendship across experience? Obviously, some of our varying experience is the fact that Adamu's been incarcerated. I want to take a minute to talk about what I haven't talked about. Adamu and I never spoke about his crime until the making of this podcast. And the process of even thinking about needing to include it was something I really had to wrestle with. I'm in my room right now and I'm overwhelmed. Honestly, making this episode has been hard. Um, I want to do justice to our story. I want to 
I want Dominic to listen to this. Hi, if you're listening, <laughs> and enjoy it. I don't want to make him uncomfortable by talking about the crime that I'm sure a general audience may be waiting for me to get to. Um, and like by not talking about it, like that is intentional. It just feels weird having to because of the circumstances that we met under. It feels it feels like people ask, "What did he do?" Um, as if it's something I have to forgive him for, something that happened when I was an infant. Um, I don't know. It's hard to talk about. I think to enter a relationship as sacred as collaborative art making and, and building something together, there needs to be a foundation of trust and mutual respect and consent and agency and I trust going into a collaborative relationship that you know you as my collaborator have taken accountability for whatever harm that you feel you've caused in the same way that you are also trying to heal from the harm that has been inflicted upon you by the state and by other systems and structures and that you will bring something up or share something if it feels relevant or feels meaningful and feel safe and if it doesn't that you don't have to bring those things up ultimately i decided not to share that conversation what i will share is how adamu became who he is today getting to know him during such a transitional time for the world for myself for him has felt pretty extraordinary especially three years later I say transitional for the world as it felt like our very social fabric disintegrated for myself as I had just left my home for the first time to begin my adult life only to end up in my childhood bedroom months later coming to terms with what that looked like, who I was becoming. And as for Damu, because, well, we began discussing transitions a lot. So, ah, shit. <laughs> days ago, I told you that we were having a meeting with the district attorney, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, like, she reviewed everything, and she was like, there's no need for a meeting. Like, I'm, I'm going to recommend Adamu to be resentenced so that he can go home now. Wait, to go home now? Well, not now. Like, not right, like, right now, but, like, soon. Like, oh as soon God. as, like, as soon as the court and my case and then like resentence wow um, wait that's crazy okay so like resentence to like a shorter time or like for your sentence to be over over I'm recording this from my dorm room. It's almost 2024. From where I am, I can see the Space is a Place poster, which he did end up mailing me, held by a magnet on my mini fridge. Free every Wednesday, it reads, soul, future funk, sci-fi slap, and interplanetary rhythms with Northern California's finest selectors. And on the bottom line, hosted by, all caps, ADAMU. In October 2020, after over 12 years in California state prisons, 
Adamu came home. He's gone on to win the San Francisco International Film Festival for his documentary, What These Walls Won't Hold, and weirdly enough, ended up at Stanford. As a kid, like growing up in the Bay Area, I never had really had like a connection to Stanford. I didn't know much about the school. It seemed like a place that like seemed inaccessible to me. I think I might have gone to the church one time with my dad. Then all of a sudden, like I'm like in this fellowship at Stanford. Just funny, like the way that the world works in certain ways, right? Like I said, like like you're basically my only connection to it. It's not, and it's also not because I knew you that like I got this fellowship. It's like. So I don't know, all of that seems very strange to me. It just seems kind of bizarre. <laughs> I'm happy that we still have a friendship outside of the silly little context that we met in. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. I wonder like how, um, you know, like if COVID wouldn't have happened, like how things would have turned out. Obviously it would have been like probably completely different. Maybe we would have done a project a film project, I probably maybe wouldn't have gotten out. I might still be in prison. Do you really think that? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Possibly. Who knows? I think that's just like an interesting thing to think about. When people talk about like, all your success that's coming out in terms of like, your film and touring it, I don't know. Just how do you feel about like how people describe your life since, since that moment or how you view it? I don't know. I think most days I just feel tired. Um, I think it's pretty bizarre, like, the world is, like, a pretty strange place where you can, like, be, like, you can change positions so quickly, you know, where you can be, like, a forgotten, you know, like, cursed person on a larger scale, right? Like, society had deemed me, like, persona non grata. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about, about that word that fancy phrase man Latin <laughs> uh, but you but you felt like persona non grata like I mean that's I mean that's essentially like what prison is right a right. prison is like the physical manifestation of like yeah just being like a dispo like a disposable and unwanted like person right like, you can't even be in society. Like, you have to be, like, caged and contained. Um, and so I think it's just, like, it's bizarre to me to, like, be that person. And then all of a sudden, like, being the same person, but, like, being a very celebrated person. Um, I think it's a lot of it points to kind of like the fickleness of, like, the ways that we, like, think about people. Um that these things are kind of in some ways, um, I don't know, like arbitrary, you know? Like I'm not so much of a different person than I was like three years ago. So it's just, it's like a very strange thing. It's like really strange. It's really weird. Yeah. Okay, you keep using the word bizarre. <laughs> Too much? No, no, I like it. Like, no, no, like I get what you mean though. Yeah. In one of our first conversations, when we thought the media center at San Quentin would reopen again, when we thought the pandemic was just a long spring break, Adamu shared the vision he had for the film we were going to make, for this project we were going to produce through our collaboration. And what he said, it aged kind of interesting. My idea was, like, the first scene would be a split-screen animation, right? Like, me 
in animation form, like standing in front of San Quentin mm-hmm. and you standing in front of Stanford in like a split screen, right? Yeah. From that fade in, like fade into the first letter, and then go through a sequence where like we're kind of like jumping through the letters and and, and jumping to certain passages in both of our letters, like read by us. We start walking, right? and the backgrounds are changing, right? Maybe the, the first background is like the ocean and like we're walking through the Golden Gate Bridge and out past the California coast. And then that fades into something else. Somewhere like that a conversation would take you or somewhere that you would want to go. I don't know. So I was thinking like Paris, the Great Pyramids, maybe Greece. And then like, like our conversation is going and as like these backgrounds like dissolve into each other, finally like i feel like like we've had this conversation about outer space and like our like that is like the final place that we go to right like we are walking through like the solar you have 60 seconds remaining we're walking through the solar system and having this conversation and then at the end like we end the conversation and we you know hug and then it goes back to like we turn and simultaneously like i walk back into the well that's so cool uh, wait is it gonna cut off or can you call back for two minutes i can't call back i'm sorry no it's okay it's okay told us we gotta go you're good you're good oh my god i have so many thoughts uh, okay i'm so excited i think that's an incredible idea i have oh my god <laughs> that's so cool i can run with that i can try to like brainstorm even more What makes our friendship interesting isn't that Adamu was incarcerated. I've learned from Adamu that creativity doesn't have limits. So much of his incredible film work is stuff that he shot while inside. He's also taught me that friendship doesn't have to have limits either. We never did make that movie together, but we made something better. A friendship, the kind that crosses space and time and experience, and a podcast, but mostly a friendship. I don't know if I've really told him this, but he's a role model to me. He's been a formative person in my life, partly because I want to be a successful filmmaker like him, but mostly because I hope I can become as intentional as him in art and life and friendship. This episode is produced by Anastasia Sotiropoulos as part of the Stanford Storytelling Project. Music for this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you to Adamu Chan, Michelle Chang, The Braden Grant, and Laura Joyce Davis for all their support. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.